Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. And this episode is actually going to be a Patreon vote winner every month on patreon.com slash TV. Our $5 and up patrons get to vote between four films. And the winner of this particular vote was Strange Days from 1995, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who uh, has a very, like varied career like for, from like i mean i love near dark right near dark is my favorite film she's done it's one of my favorite vampire movies and then she had point break uh i don't know if that was you know the very next thing she did but that was the next big thing and uh people like that quite a bit i never really get into point break uh i like it <laughs> but you got strange days which is a bit of a cult hit and then of course later on much later we got we had oscar contenders like heart locker and, and stuff like that. so it's zero dark 30 yeah uh so it's a very varied career with a very different, you know, variety of different genres. Uh, some stuff that feels more like a like a well done B movie, and then other things that are like, hey, we're going to win Oscars with this thing. We're going to we're going to walk into that Academy Awards ceremony, and we're going to walk out with all the bling. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I guess it's just it's just interesting to like jump into the middle of her career here and look at this film, which I had heard about, and you know, I hate to. I hate to say I heard of the Catherine Bigelow film through oh it was written by James Cameron you see like <laughs> but that's genuinely how I, as I was looking through Cameron's credits yeah. and saw he wrote a movie called Strange Days and I went oh he he wrote a movie that came out in ninety five like you know before Titanic and after T two like what what is this what is this movie back when he was Mister Bigelow yeah back when he was Mister Bigelow yeah they were married um and sure enough I was like oh it's a sci fi movie oh. I watched this for the first time. Uh, it's at a really specific point in history because it's when I was old enough that I was like out of high school, but and I but it was it was back when you still like rented discs through the mail. You had like a list. I mean, I know it was Netflix in the US. Here it was a thing called Love Film, but you had like a rental list and they'd send them out to you. So I rented the the disc, uh, but I think it was still a DVD at the time. It wasn't Blu-ray yet. Um, so I, that's when I watched this for the first time, and I, that was a long time ago. Now that was like I don't know, twelve years, thirteen, mm-hmm. fourteen years, so, something in that range. Wait, sounds about right. Yeah. So, um, I didn't remember a whole lot. I remember the basic premise. I remembered the reveal at the end, bizarrely. But there's a lot of this film I did not remember. There's a lot of things that we're going to talk about that I did not uh, remember at all. This was your first time watching this, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, some of it kind of looked familiar, but maybe I'd just seen clips of it on, like, you know, top ten list or something on YouTube. But I, uh, yeah, this is a first time watch for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to ask Tara a very important question. You're, you're recording your audio, and it's, it's, it's going well? The audio is going smoothly? <laughs> yes. That's good, because... I, unfortunately, I'm not recording your audio, so hopefully that's all fine. A <laughs> <laughs> um, little bit of behind the curtain here. My PC speakers died the other day, so all my audio settings have kind of gotten weird because I've had to change things, and the recording software is not picking up. I see. Okay. <laughs> the, the call. Let me just uh, double check here. <laughs> yes. Hey, we're still on the intro. This is the perfect time to notice this if there is a problem. 
So <laughs> as, as long as your audio is recording fine, it's actually not a big deal. It just means yeah. there's no safety net, so don't <laughs> don't screw up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so what is strange is so the the basic spoiler free kind of premise of strange is it is a near future and very near so near in fact that for us it's actually 21 years ago um, but it was made in 1995 it came out in 1995 and it's set on a, just before and on new year's eve right before it hit 2000 so it's set right at the end of 1999 and the idea of getting to the you know the new millennium is a big thing that plays throughout the film and the big thing here is that it's it's, it's a, obviously not super advanced tech or anything like that but it's slightly cyberpunk in that we have a very cyberpunk idea where people can record they've got like a brain sensor where people can basically record an experience and then when you play it back kind of vr but more intricate than that where you actually get to feel the feelings the person was feeling you get to see everything through their pov um obviously it's like you're borrowing their brain for that time kind of yeah and obviously there's no consequences you take your thing off even if the person like dies at the end of the clip you take it off and you're fine but it's like a rush because you felt it um mm-hmm. So that's kind of the basic tech that's going around, but it's not legal. It's very black market, and our main character, played by uh, Ray Fiennes, if I'm saying his name right, uh, there was a debate about this because uh, it's spelt Ralph. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Okay. Rhymes with safe signs. Rhymes with safe signs. <laughs> he plays Lenny. From this point on, I'm just going to call him Lenny because I can't be bothered with the stupid, silly name. But. He is a sort of black market dealer of these things. Uh, and that's that's kind of what he deals in. There's a lot of porn stuff, a lot of things like that. A lot of like people committing crimes because people get a rush off of it, but they don't actually want to do it themselves. They just want the, the thrill of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we've got. we got him, but we've got a bunch of other characters. We've got a tangled web of characters. And there he is sent a tape in this film early on. And I say tape, it's actually like a mini-disc is the exact thing it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the thing he puts in the thing that plays the the memories back is it looks it feels like a more old school cassette thing because of the way it pops up and he pushes yeah. it in actually it looks like a like a floppy disk player the old floppy disk for, for sure. computers yeah um so he gets one earlier on in the film that actually shows someone he knows being murdered uh very brutally and it sets up a sort of mystery of okay, who's doing this, who's behind this, and what are they what they drive in that and this. Uh, but I think the, the the key thing to get here is that obviously that sounds like a cool enough premise on its own. But this film mm-hmm. is ultra political. It is, I mean, science fiction often is, but this is a very uh, this is a film full of social commentary, and yeah. there's a lot of other things going on around the city in LA at the time of of the the plot carrying out, which ultimately. Uh, I wouldn't say ties in necessarily, but it definitely feels of the 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 time and of the thing that's going on and everything. So it, it really does paint a picture of the, the world they're in, even though at the time it was only four years later when it came out. But it, yeah. So despite the fact that there's not that much in it that's futuristic outside of this tech itself, the themes and the, that tech and the mood that it creates is very dystopian cyberpunk, even though... The only thing you really see is there's a lot more riots going on. <laughs> there's a lot more, like, cars on fire. But other than that, it's still pretty much just, you know, the level of technology that you had in 1995 is what's kind of there. Aside mm-hmm. from the one main thing. Uh, so, that that's the basic gist of it. Uh, but we have, we have a we have an all-star cast in here. we got Angela Bassett, we got Juliet Lewis, Tom Sizemore's in here, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, before mm-hmm. he looked like a dad on his way to the barbecue table. Um, 
he's in there. Well, in fact, there's in there in a small role who I who I like a lot. He's a one of those guys that pops up in tons of stuff. You know, yeah, our, definitely. Same same year as this, he, he had a small, very small role in Heat, the the Michael Mann mm-hmm. movie. Uh, but he's you know, he went to have a small role in Dark Knight. But he's also had major roles in a bunch of things over the years. So a couple of years later, he was in Contact. And there's even uh, an actor I recognized in this, and I, I think it's only because I just watched it recently on stream. But there's like another black market guy called Tech, who mm-hmm. I recognize, and I'm like, he looks familiar. And I, I guess that right, it, it looks so different because of like the very different hair and he's and stuff. But he's actually one of the like the dumb henchmen from the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> That's actually what I know him <laughs> from. I'm sorry, you had to watch that. Yes. Uh, and of course, the acclaimed Jaguar driver from Speed, uh, who's upset about his car. <laughs> yes, that's right. He's also in this. So he, he's the the rapper, right? Yes, he's like the famous rapper that's on TV. Yeah, yeah uh, in the movie. So yes, and then the, I guess the final other big character that I've not really mentioned in terms of an actor, uh, I, I wouldn't have told you what his name was. His name is Michael Wincott. He plays like this. Uh, this record label guy is very seedy and he's got like the Jesus hair and he's got a really sort of gravelly voice and all the rest of it. But uh, I, I knew him instantly because he is an alien resurrection and mm-hmm. it's impossible not to recognize him and especially not hear that voice. It's voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very, <laughs> very distinct. Yeah. So that says the scene. So I'm going to ask Tara the question because she's sitting and listened to me explain the basic spoiler-free premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Boy, this movie is dark. <laughs> it's very dark. It this is a dark, dark movie. This, <laughs> this, I mean, maybe not in like how it's portrayed. There's definitely movies that have portrayed rape more like visually horrific, but the ideas that it's giving you as it's sort of replaying the rape scene yeah. is is probably one of the nastiest sort of like ideas I've ever heard. And, and oh yeah t- like totally and even the way they have to experience it while watching it to see to, to, to watch the playback yeah is pretty awful yeah <laughs> i i think like it's pretty say the, the you know the, the, to give like a trigger warning i suppose uh, yeah. Uh, yeah if you're if, if sensitive to that subject there was a lot of that in this movie and it doesn't feel out of place because you you kind of the sad truth is, if this technology existed, it would go there. Especially when you're dealing with the black market and you're dealing with shady people and all the rest of yeah. it. Um, you know, I, I, one of the first thoughts I had uh, when they introduced the idea that some of them were going to be like pornographic and the idea is, oh, you can you can be in a sex scene or you can, you know, maybe you can be the opposite gender in a sex scene. Maybe that'll mm-hmm. do something for you or whatever. And as, as soon as he said that, I was like, I would feel really uncomfortable doing that, not knowing, not, not even so much that they're being forced, but the idea, it, it sets up the idea that they don't always know they're being recorded. Like that's some, Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, this is very seedy. Uh, and I would feel very skeptical of that, um, especially since there's no regulation on any of this shit because it's all legal. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yes. That's very dark. Very dark. It, it, very dark. And I, I really was not expecting the... Uh, social commentary on the police from this movie but like that is what this movie is about i mean this this movie was definitely written right after the rodney king riots and is all about that um which is uh kind of uh (laughs) relevant to what just happened here in america going through the whole george floyd um 
versus Derek Chauvin and all that. Um, and, you know, we've recently had riots here, understandably. Um, so I just, I wasn't expecting, I mean, I, I didn't know what this movie was. I just knew about the, this, you, you, you you know, the weird technology thing. You aren't prepared for how sadly relevant it is. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah. I, 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 yeah, obviously, we're, we're going to save a lot of this for spoilers because, you know, it gets into a lot of things. But um, there's a moment early on in the film where our two kind of corrupt police officers are chasing down a, a, a woman. Uh, her name's Iris because she has there's a bit more. Once we get to meet her, she's more of a prominent character. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, at one point, Vincent D'Onofrio, who plays one of the cops, he like calls in and says, oh, yeah, we're chasing uh, a suspect, uh, black male, and he's, you know, 30s to 40s. Yeah. And, Immediately, and he's, he's not, he's chasing this, you know, young white woman. And all I could think was, okay, I'm already getting, like, a vibe of the theme of this. Because I had forgotten all this. I I think the first thing I would say about this movie is that, and this is this is almost really fascinating for, for on a personal level for me. Because when I saw this the first time, it was probably not long before I started to become aware of a lot of what this movie's talking about. Because mm-hmm. I can assure you when I first saw this, I... My understanding and awareness of police brutality, specifically in America, was at a zero. I did not know anything about it. Um, right. So I'm not. You I probably thought this was a dystopian future. Yeah, I, I I don't know what I thought at the time. I don't know how it played to me at the time. But watching yeah. it now, like I think a lot of what the movie was doing clicked with me a lot better. So I can definitely say that I liked this more this time around than I did the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first statement to say. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, because because I I'd, but like I say, I remember the technology. I remembered the ending, uh, and that was pretty much it. I had forgotten all of this stuff. I'd forgotten, and it's it's the most important thing in the film. It's this this the through line for the whole thing. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, uh, kind of crazy, but. Um, yeah, but did you like it? That's just the question we're getting at, Tara. <laughs> yes, I did like it. Yes, I uh, do really like Catherine Bigelow. I think she is exceptional when it comes to shooting action, and there are a couple of POV action sequences in this movie that are really great. Mm-hmm. And I think the opening scene is really strong, also with the there's like it puts you right in the technology right away, so you know what you're dealing with, and it's a fun action scene. And there's a chase scene that comes up later on that I think is very suspenseful. And, uh, yeah, I think she's exceptional. Try not to bump your desk. (laughs) Oh, I didn't. I I hit the cord. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's very very notable that when you get expressive, you're starting to, uh, like, there's a little just studyness coming into the make. Uh... (laughs) Well, okay. I'll try. <laughs> um, no, I... I like it quite a bit. I like it more this time than I did the first time. I don't think it's perfect. There's still... There's things that I know... The, the stuff that I know left kind of a bit of a sour taste in my mouth at the time still left mm-hmm. a sour taste in my mouth this time. Um, yeah, there's some things I didn't enjoy watching, for sure. And uh, Ray Fiennes is not good at an American accent. And uh, he he kind of has that thing where the... I think he's British or English. Maybe I'm just thinking of it because the English patient, but I, where he kind of has that like generic American thing that British people do. It doesn't really sound like it's from anywhere in America. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, that I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy Tom Sizemore's obvious wig <laughs> in the movie also. He has a strange, like, Kurt Cobain, but extra long metalhead wig. <laughs> He's got a big wig. Um, I'm not, that's the thing. I'm not even talking about any of this stuff, really. Uh, I mean, they're fair points. And, well, there's some... The darker I, I, stuff I, I also didn't really enjoy very much, to be honest. The, the um... I, I don't... I mean, finds his accent, whatever. I mean, I, I kind of got over that quickly. I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my problem is more the... There's a kind of a reveal towards the end, and oh. everything... And everything involved in that, like that. <laughs> everything involved in that reveal, and everything to make it work with the rest of the plot that happened before, I yeah. thought was a bit of a convoluted mess. And it was just a character like telling me lots of things to explain it because otherwise it wouldn't make sense. It didn't. Cl- it wasn't like oh, things been revealed, and now all of a sudden things make sense that were mysteries before. It was like wait, what? How? And then it was explained to us in depth <laughs> for some time. That was still weak. Um, that, that was kind of what I was I trying agree. to talk about. The uh, main reveal that happens, I thought, was pretty obvious from early on in the film. And then, like, all the other, like, little mini reveals that followed up in order to make the plot make sense, I didn't enjoy. The explanation stuff, I didn't really enjoy either. Um, yeah. There, I mean, there's some things in the movie I don't like, for sure. But overall, I actually do like the movie, and I am surprised of the... <laughs> Of how relevant it was, but it does make sense being the time we had in the past year is very much a repeat of what happened in, uh, was it, I think, 92 or 94? I wasn't living in the States at the time, but when we had the LA riots. And then the other thing you, you have to sort of keep in mind here is that this is a James Cameron script, which is kind of weird, because this is... I wouldn't necessarily say this feels like anything else that he's done. And mm-hmm. obviously he's not directing it, so I mean that would account for some of the difference. But even the story, I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a bit of sci-fi this to it. What's interesting though to me is that it's not like there's not hints of him having opinions on these subjects. Uh, Terminator 2 has actually got some stuff in it that if, you, if you're sort of like paying attention to it, um, you know, the T-1000 dresses as a cop. He hunts down mm-hmm. a child. Now, notably, of course, uh, John Connor's white, but he is wearing a Public Enemy t-shirt. And, I, and that, you know, I've had I've heard people point out that that's a very intentional thing. Now, that's something I never noticed myself because I didn't know who Public Enemy were. But, um, but of what that represents and what that means, and you know, that 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 symbolism of the T one thousand wearing that outfit was kind of intentional. Um, mm. So the idea that he did that in ninety one, and then he wrote this script, you know, a couple of years later or whatever. Uh, is very interesting and it's 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 also very interesting to me to have a woman direct this story because of all the dark stuff where the particularly with the rape stuff and the how the the device is used to exploit people it's the sort of thing where it could feel like really sleazy and arguably maybe it still does and in terms of like how the the film's choosing to represent it um this is not a film that feels shy about showing things. You know, there's a lot of just very casual nudity at various points. Uh, I, I've never seen as much of Juliet Lewis in my life as I did in this film. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that just sort of going throughout it. It's it's a very... I mean, it's a hard R, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just the hardest of our ratings uh, that you can probably get to. Um 
and not just because, I mean, it deals with very serious subjects, obviously. It deals with, like, the violence when it happens is actually quite horrific because it's not, it doesn't mm-hmm. treat it like an action movie. It's not some, I mean, there's, there's one or two scenes that feel a bit more action movie. There's a scene with a limo, for example, that feels a bit more like, oh, this feels like an 80s action movie all of a sudden. And maybe that's maybe a critique you can levy at it is that the tone shifts a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, whenever it's showing you other parts of violence in the in the movie, when it's replaying it through the tech and stuff like that, it's it's very shocking and visceral and very real and it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, this is not a film that's trying to feel like a, a breezy action movie where it wants you to feel the adrenaline of the the thrill and all that, which ironically yeah. is what the characters are all seeking through the technology. That's what they're seeking through the. Uh, they call it playback, so I have to keep saying the technology. They call it a playback, so it's not a it's not a movie. It's a playback. That's what they call it. Yeah. Uh, so we've got some terminology that we can we can work with uh, throughout this. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I feel like most of it's spoiler free though, because the plot kind of keeps evolving as it goes mm-hmm. on. Um, as much as there was a lot to tell you and spoiler free, there's actually a lot more that unfolds. I mean. <laughs> You know, I mean, Angela Bassett's character we've barely mentioned, and I mean, ultimately, she's Lenny's best friend, who is sick of him, but always shows up to help him get out of a jam. I mean, that's kind of, you know, what we can say at this point. Um, Tom Sizemore's Max is also a kind of more of a seedy friend. Um, he's like a PI. You know, Lenny's an ex-cop. We find that out throughout the film, which I think, importantly, is quite or thematically is quite important, the idea that our main character, yeah. that your ultimate kind of unsung or troubled hero is someone who used to wear a badge and no longer does, given the themes that the movie's playing with. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some elements of... Uh, maybe redemption's a strong word. I don't know if redemption's necessarily right, but uh, there's definitely an arc there, uh, which we'll, we'll get to talking about. But Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, honestly, the the majority of this movie is like, I mean, it's a it's a weird, like, post apocalyptic future basically. Because <laughs> when you see it, everything's on fire. It's basically there's a riot going on all the time, to the point where like, even when our main characters are driving through and like people are <laughs> lighting the car on fire, they're like, okay, we gotta leave. Like this is just a normal thing they deal with all the time. It's just there's a constant anarchy outside. Yeah, there's a, there's a moment when uh, Mace, which is uh, Bassett's character, says to Lenny, uh, it looks like you're on foot because she's like pissed at him. She's not going to give him a ride. And, he, and his response is, in LA? Are you crazy? <laughs> As if like, that, that's just certain death. It's just yeah. walking from point A to point B in LA in this world is just death. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, so it, it's, it's I'm not even that far ahead in the future, like from when the movie comes out. It's only like four or five years. But it's it seems to be talking about mostly the police. This movie is about what happens if we allowed the police to become a military, basically. And that is what's triggering all these riots because the police are too brutal and they become more brutal because they have heavy armored equipment and are pointing guns at the civilians. So the civilians have to do more things to protest the police and it's just this constant chaotic anarchy oh you left out one important detail though i I think that even more key than that than you just said is how is how police treat black people 
and people yeah. that aren't white. That, that, that is that is the yeah. first thing. That I is mean, number one with this movie. We even see a character, about. a black character in the movie, get beaten by the cops very much like Rodney King did after they've been, after they're of like no of harm to anybody. You know, they still continue beyond when, <laughs> beyond any point of reason just to do so. And it's, uh, yeah, it's very clear what this movie is about. Oh, it's not subtle. It's, it's not yeah. okay. maybe it starts off a little more subtle, but as as it goes on, it it, it gets more and more. It, go, it goes more and more for the juggler as as it goes. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things that it's juggling, and it is two and a half hours long. And I, I was surprised when I when I started watching. I was like, oh wait, this is two and a half hours. Shit. And mm-hmm. to his credit, I think there's so much stuff that it's doing that it doesn't feel like it's actually too too much longer than it should be i think it's a little bit i think pacing is a little bit of an issue but not as much as i thought it was going to be at two and a half hours like i feel you know maybe 10 15 minutes could be cut but i don't really notice it too much when i'm watching it but i definitely noticed at the end that the it felt a bit rushed i think mostly because characters are explaining why this wraps up so neatly (laughs) that makes it feel like okay well if you have to have a character tell me everything then maybe you didn't do a good job of like really writing this all up together well, neatly. Uh, well, I think the thing is, is that you can kind of split the movie into two and maybe there's an argument that it's struggling too much by having both of these things happen at the same time. And one of them is more important to the, the arc of the main character. And then everything else is more important to the overall themes and what the story is about, which is the social commentary. And mm-hmm. there's some interactions between them. And obviously we have characters who are connected in those, both plots and there's there's overlap there but they do ultimately feel very separate in the in the sense that we actually get two different conclusions at the end one for each plot you know there's, there's a plot the, the scene that ends the, the, we were talking about the, the big reveals that only ends one side of things the other side of things is ended in a completely different scene that takes place mm-hmm. afterwards and that, which is both good and bad like there's actually things i like about that because like they they both get their own sort of chance to have a climactic moment. One's definitely better than the other because the other one, as we said, has most of the problems that we, you know, we yeah. And it's almost like you could have a movie just be about one of the two things and not the other. But there are merits to having both, uh, which we'll get into. I think we're dancing around a lot of spoilers here, so I think we're about ready to probably dive in. Probably but, a good idea. Um, I I will say it's a better film than I remembered, and I think what's unique about from my my perspective is that not being American, not really knowing anything about anything like <laughs> on this topic at all until probably not too long after I saw this movie. And, you know, we're talking about when all of a sudden everyone had, you know, cameras on them all the time and things like that and how much more more documented on a worldwide platform is. Or maybe it's just that I'm older and I pay more attention to these things. I don't know, whatever it may be. But my my experience watching this now was completely different to yeah. whatever experience I had then to the point where I had forgotten everything to do with that that side of things and all I remembered was how much I didn't like the ending. That that was all I remembered. And well, the problems I have with that part of the ending are still there and we'll talk about it. Uh, the film felt like it had much more to say to me this time and I felt like, oh, this has a purpose. I'm seeing what the point of this movie is. Like I feel like I'm getting so much from it this time. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, yeah. Before we move on, though, uh, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, 
David Brown and Stanley. Not Stanley, Stanley. So, yes, that's our Patreon producers. That means they give us $20 or more on patreon.com slash TV. But you don't have to give as much as that. You can support us for much less, can't you, Tara? That's right. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as little as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So you can find all your favorite B-movie classics and some some more mainstream stuff like Time Cop or Judge Dredd. And um, we even do sequels to movies that we start on the main channel. So please go check that out. And if you donate $5 per month, you'll get access to these reviews one day early and some shows you get a week early. And you get to vote like this one. This one was a vote. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yes it was alright okay uh, you can also like and subscribe if you want to support us for completely free uh, liking, subscribing, commenting all those things to help a lot on YouTube uh, or rate the podcast on your audio podcast app of choice with 5 stars and whatever okay so um, as I was saying before you can kind of split this movie into two kind of separate things you have the police uh, and the, the, the racial tensions and all that stuff on the one side. And then on the other side, you have the personal plot with, with Lenny and who's the mystery killer who's doing this. And there is some overlap between them. Don't get me wrong, there absolutely is. You know, the, 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 the two cops who are chasing Iris at the start, Iris knows Lenny, she tries to give him the footage, uh, which, you know, turns out to be hell- heavily relevant to the, the death of this famous rapper, uh, which we hear about on TV at the start of the movie. And mm-hmm. it becomes your know, kind of this moral choice about what to do with this this footage. Uh, so the the plots do intersect in the sense that that does feed into Lenny's plot, and that he you know he has a choice later on to use that as leverage rather than let it get out and actually have people know that you know this innocent man was murdered by you know two crooked policemen who seemingly basically just in the moment didn't like his attitude, and that was that uh, you know uh, Vincent D'Onofrio just got annoyed and just thought he could do it mm-hmm. without you know consequence um so you have these two things and i think the reason why they feel very separate in a lot of ways is when you get to the, the final the finale of the mystery killer plot and it turns out to be tom sizemore and then tom sizemore has to stand there and explain how it fits with every single thing let me tell you how I did it. <laughs> it's so it's. I hate that scene, and I even hate. And you know, Catherine Bigelow's direction is typically very solid, but I hated the direction in this scene as well. They kept getting those weird close-ups of his face really quickly as he was explaining. There was a lot of Dutch angles as he was explaining. It's like it's like she knew this was shit, and she was trying to jazz it up with as much sh- you know camera angles as possible. <laughs> so that would maybe make it more exciting and interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah. It did not. <laughs> it's strange because actually the the movie is, is really quite good and the themes in it are really heavy and really poignant and like it's a very strong material, you know, plus it's written by James Cameron, which helps. And so, I mean, there's a lot going on here that's really good. It's just this one part that's not quite so tight. <laughs> it is very, yeah, very convoluted. Uh, I also, the the reveal of Tom Sizemore being the bad guy is not, like, a big surprise by the end. No. I felt, especially since he has, like, this obvious wig on the entire movie. 
<laughs> Looks like it looks awful. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> so, yeah, I my, my big thing here is the important part of this plot, right? Because the actual heart of the film, even though it doesn't seem like it early on, is the relationship between Lenny and Mace. And Mace is actually introduced like over half an hour out of the film. It's quite late on, relatively speaking, for a main character. But she's so important because given the themes of the movie and what the movie's doing, if there wasn't, if one of the main core cast weren't black, it'd be such a weird goddamn choice. It'd be like, yeah. you're commenting all these things, but like, there's no actual representation of like the black community and your main cast. It'd be very, very strange. And the character's so important because a lot of like Lenny's thing in the movie is that he's so like he uses her a lot, right? He you know, he calls her for help to come and pick him up. She's constantly fed up with his shit, but she's always there for him. She's always there to bail him out of a bad situation. And he's so wrapped up in his own shit. The white man is so wrapped up in his own shit that he doesn't necessarily realize just how much he's using and abusing his black friend. That That is, you know, in a lot of the ways... The white ex-cop. The white yeah. ex-cop, yeah, even more important. So that's going throughout the film. And so much of his plot is that he's he wants Faith back. He wants Juliet Lewis back. We see him, he's got like a recording, you know, one of his playbacks is like an actual one of his where he was out mm-hmm. rollerblading with her and she's in her underwear outside for some reason. And... Probably Venice Beach. They, they go back up to wherever they're staying and they have sex and he's, he's watching this back and it's this experience for him. It, you know, it's basically that scene you get in every like sad movie where the, the, the wife's died in the past so they watch the home yeah. video. It's just that but with sci-fi tech. Right, and we don't know that she's alive at this point too in the movie. And I was thinking like... You think she's dead. Oh, he's reminiscing <laughs> over his dead girlfriend or whatever. And I, I thought, well... I wonder if she's really dead or if they just broke up because that would be kind of sadder if they just mm-hmm. broke up and he's still holding on to the memories of her. If that's not able to move on. And it speaks more to the technology, you know, because everybody grieves over. Um, well, obviously, everyone grieves over a breakup for the most part, and especially over the death of a loved one. And but like <laughs> treating a breakup like a death and not being able to get over it and move on with your life because you have this technology that keeps you in that moment. So every good moment that you had with her, like is still, you can experience not just the memory, but how everything felt. Um, that's kind of, that's sadder. I mean, it's, it's summed up. Mace says it towards, because Mace is very anti-playback. She hates the tech, the whole film. Yeah. And later She's on, never used it. And yeah. later on in the film, she actually says to him, you know, memories are supposed to be forgotten over time. That that's They were kind of designed that way intentionally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, know, that, that's, you know, that's her whole sentiment is that, yeah. You, and it's kind of the same sentiment, you know, that Black Mirror episode uh, where they can record stuff Oh, I thought about that a lot, yeah. actually, yeah. You know, there's a little bit of that, uh, obviously. It may have even been inspired by this film in some ways. And sure. you've got that like going throughout, and like you know, he it, not only is she still alive, not only is Faith still alive, and she wants to be a singer, so she's with this record label guy. He's the he's the same guy who signed the rapper that died as well. Because all we hear in the news is that you know the the police are calling it oh, maybe possibly gang related execution style, which immediately felt felt wrong. It felt like yeah, okay, I don't believe you, uh, news yeah. reporter person. But you have him sort of connecting all these different things together, but. 
she left him faith left lenny to go and be with this music producer guy because he can make her career better he's got the long jesus hair he's very raspy with his voice he's, he's all these things and he's got a private big club that he has her sing in every night and you know lenny likes to go there as often as he can to see her and try and win her back or whatever i mean this movie couldn't have done a better job of making her more unlikable to us the audience because she, in the in the playback when he's watching it it seems eh, it seems happy enough they seem happy together whatever every interaction he has with her in in real time after that <laughs> where we go to see her mm-hmm. she's awful to him and she's awful to everyone around her she's constantly just very she's unlikable she's selfish yeah. she's unlikable it's 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 shocking and that's it's not too long into the movie where we find out that she is like she knows stuff and she's just lying to him mm-hmm. also yep yep and you know so much of the movie's him chasing after her like his first concern when the murder happens to iris who was kind of a mutual friend between them uh he goes to see if she's okay he wants to help her it's all about her 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 and yeah. constantly mace is there for him constantly mace is there so when it gets to this point where they, they finally watch the, the tape, the, the playback that Iris was trying to get to him, and it's the it's the recording of the cop killing the rapper, and it's this important thing where, no, this will change everything if we can actually show this happening. This is just, this is how simple. And it's actually kind of weird watching this now as well, because one of the things, you know, I said earlier is that one of the big things that have changed since the 90s is that everyone's got cameras all the time now. And how much has that well, changed? Well, they're supposed to, yeah. Yeah. But how much has that changed perception? Oh, I, I'm sorry. You mean like uh, cell phones? Yes. I'm thinking like body cameras. No, no, no. But, I, yeah, no yeah. I mean, I mean, people witnessing these events like yeah. have cameras on them and so much footage that we have of these things now and how it yeah. has made people it's more aware. It's actually pretty extraordinary how yeah. much this movie, like, I don't want to say predicts, but um, it, is relevant because of that. It also. Po- like it, before it was some weird science fiction technology. Now it's just your cell phone. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it predicts things exactly, but it pokes at the right questions. Yeah. It pokes at the right ideas. And that that actually kind of makes it, yeah, more relevant in a way, even though some things are obviously dated because of the time period and that it's set in 1990. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, obviously we just went through the, the trial here and one of the things that was brought up constantly is like, you know, we we only know about what happened to George Floyd because somebody was there filming it. What the police report said was he died on the site from like a uh, medical for medical reasons. Mm. <laughs> so if that's all we got, then that's all we would have said. Like that's all we would have known. Right. We wouldn't have questioned anything because that's just how these things get written off. But because of the camera footage, <laughs> we know that that was not a medical situation. <laughs> that was a man being strangled. So, yeah, like it's, it, you know, it also reminds me of that when we were, when I was watching the movie with uh, the, the differences between, you know, the footage and what the, even the police officers were saying was happening at the time for their reports, you know, the, oh, gang related shooting suspected. Like if that's all we know, then maybe that's not just, well, that's actually worse because, <laughs> because it's also setting up like, Oh, it's just, you know, black people and gangs killing each other again. So it's it's not only like the, a lie, it's also setting up a narrative to make people more afraid of black people than they should. 
Yeah, it's just, you feel like it's just they've got a set list of things they just slide into every time. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's no thought put into it. It's just, oh, that's the obvious it's just to go to every time. Uh, right. Um, it, like, that, that that's all there. So, so but anyway, so we'll talk more about that separately when we get to that plot. Because I, I just want to stay on Lenny here. Because the big thing with Lenny's plot is that mm-hmm. he's been so obsessed with getting Faith back that when he eventually has this evidence and they've been chased around for it and they have it, and immediately Mace is like, oh, this can change things. People can actually see that this is happening. People won't doubt what the black community say about police officers anymore, you know, because, you know, and she she's she sees potential in this and this is a big deal. This is important. This is, this is you know, the smoking gun, you know, in many ways. And <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I can trade this to get Faith. Faith will come away with me if I, if I, if I just, if I just give, uh, you know, music producer the man. The thing that they want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she rightfully grills him for it and, like, reacts appropriately and, like, you selfish dick. No, this is important than your stupid ex-girlfriend who is awful, by the way, and all, all these <laughs> things. And so it's very important because when he makes the choice to yeah. to not do it and say, no, look, here, take it. If there's one cop that I know is, you know, this high-ranking officer, if there's one guy, he's the guy who basically got rid of me because I was too shady. <laughs> like... <laughs> Go to him, give him the footage, he'll do something with it. Uh, he makes that choice at a certain point in the film towards the end before he goes up to confront and like see, see where Faith is and all that. But th- that's very important. That's why the two plots have to coexist in a lot of ways because th- this is someone who used to be a cop ultimately making the right choice that's mm-hmm. you know unequivocally the right one. And then you separate the endings where, you know, Mace on her own has to deal with the two cops herself, and you have her, the, the one black character, having to run from the two white cops, and having to deal with that on her own. And I think it's very important and very intentional in that script that mm-hmm. we don't have, like, you know, Lenny coming in and like halfway through the scene and kind of playing hero or anything like that. It's very important that it happens away from him because it should. Um, yeah. So you have this throughout, and it. I think it's a movie that almost is designed to start off feeling like a typical movie to, featuring typical cast doing a typical kind of sci-fi thriller thing and it kind of slides in the social commentary fairly early on but it slides it in kind of gradually to the point where when mm-hmm. you get to the point where you do see the footage and you see what this footage was and how much of a big deal it is to to the world that from that point on, it's like the movie's kind of evolved into something else. And I actually kind of love that about it. I think it's really smart mm-hmm. how it plays all that and how it progresses through that. And I do think the, yeah, the mystery... Because he wasn't just like a famous uh, rapper. Like, he was rapping about police brutality. Like, the yeah, cops yeah. definitely had him on a list. Which is one of the reasons why I think he was killed. It was just like, oh, you're that guy? The guy who always, you know, sings stuff about the <laughs> about the police, about us? Like, that's clearly like oh you think you you have power because you're famous but we still have the guns yeah uh, but it's worth mentioning didn't know it was him and they pulled him over they, they pulled him over no. as a routine thing like right. just that's just what they do uh so the, yeah. the 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 blanket kind of attitude towards it is still there it's just yes that definitely heightened to his mood let's <laughs> say mm-hmm. that, that drove him to to do it and so you have you have all that, and, the, and I do think the mystery killer stuff is 
effective. Like the 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 the, the playbacks that he leaves. It turns out to be Tom Sizemore, but the, the playbacks that he leaves for him to watch. The first one in particular, the actual murder, the rape and murder of Iris, is is very brutal. It's very effective. It, it you know it, you feel disgusted watching it, and it you should because the whole point is is that that Lenny also feels disgusted. You know he yeah. You know, he starts it, he's like, oh, a little breaking in there. And, oh, yeah, I've watched this sort of thing before. And then it, it turns into this, uh, you know, that this... The... Really awful, awful, yeah, thing that he has to experience. So, and he gets pleasure out of it, but not by choice. Yeah, because yeah, he's feeling what the person who was doing it felt at the time. So it's this, yeah. so he feels both the horror and shock of it, but also the, the pleasure of it. Which makes it, like, just so evil and gross. And that's evil and gross, but the worst part of it is... Yes, believe it or not, that's not the worst it part. It gets yet. worse. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. the worst part of it is that he, you know, he the killer, uh, he he sort of like puts a one of the 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 playback things on her head when she's like handcuffed, and jacks a cable into his his recorder, like the output. So it's actually giving her a live feed of his experience, so that she's feeling his own pleasure while he's doing it, and mm-hmm. so she's so. What what Lenny's going through, she also went through. Obviously, even worse because she's actually experiencing and she's dying her side of it, and she's dying. Yeah. But it it, it th- this is as dark as it is. This is kind of the the most like fascinating the sci fi part of it really gets is the the idea of making your victim feel the pleasure you're getting from what you're doing to them at this, as they're as they're being tortured, raped, or killed is sadistic yeah. as shit. But it's also fascinating from like a science fiction idea. In a way, right? Yeah, uh, you know. And the sad part is, is that new technology is always used for the worst possible things. Like, very I mean, quickly. he says in the beginning, like, I don't want any snuff films, and this is, you know, not exactly. It's new technology, but like, mm. snuff is a word that exists because of technology. Technology allowing for for that to happen previously. You know, I think that's um. That's an important thing at the start of the character for Lenny, because while he is clearly very flawed, he's a bit of a sleazeball, he dresses like a pimp, as is pointed out, with he's, he's he really <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a drug dealer. Yeah, he's yeah, he's basically a drug dealer. He's a greasy drug dealer, he's got greasy hair, everything yeah. about him is, is that. But that He's one, always trying to be sleazy and like get a sale. <laughs> but that one detail though, that one detail that he does yeah. not want any snuff films or anything that like hurts anyone or you know, really um is, is the right. one sort of thing to cling to that oh he, there is like there's a line there's a moral line that can we can latch on to as an audience to say okay he might actually be the hero by the end of this right well i mean he says that in the beginning the opening scene is the is the film we watch is the robbery yeah is someone's robbing robbing like a a, a restaurant uh, like a chinese restaurant or something and the cops come and they try to escape and the guy who's wearing the the headpiece uh, ends up dying like he falls and dies uh it's a really good scene but that's when he's like i don't deal with snuff like a guy died making this i don't want to yeah. sell this but he does end up buying <laughs> he, he, he a discount. yeah he's, he's enough of a sleazeball but I, I think you get the the sense though from that that something like this which he gets in the car later is yeah. like that is way beyond his line he would never have accepted that you don't, you don't think you think for a second that he would have accepted no. this under any circumstance uh, no you know, as much as he did kind of sleazily did give in, <laughs> he used it as a bargaining chip, effectively, uh, earlier on. Sure. Um, but, I mean, you know, all the stuff with the tech is the real sci-fi stuff of the movie. And I think it, 
having the opening scene be here's an example of this mm-hmm. and we don't really know what it is yet as the audience unless you've read the premise of the movie or you, 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 you know enough going in but you're just being introduced to this idea and i think it's smart that that first time you know it's just uninterrupted and it's not until it ends where he takes the thing off and we, we get oh that someone was experiencing this through a playback but then the next time we see it when he's like pitching it to the, you know, this like you know like a lawyer or something who's he's meets like in a shady and the guy's like really mm-hmm. nervous and he's like, hey, you know, what, what do you want? Like, you know, what do you, do you want to go skiing? Ah, now you're rich enough. Look at the shoes you're wearing. You can just go skiing if you want to go skiing. You want to do the stuff that you can't do. You you want to do crimes. You want to experience sex from the other perspective. Or you want a threesome. Or you want this, this, and this, and that. Yeah. Um, And this time, though, we see a glimpse of what he's seen. But I do love that we cut to, like, the real world. And it's just, like, uh, Lenny watching. I'm just sort of standing there being like, Oh. 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 <laughs> and he just says yes you're just an 18 year old girl having a shower that's all you are <laughs> and I, it's like okay i, I think well, i guess what I'm, the point i'm trying to make here is that it sort of naturally it gradually unravels all of the layers of what this technology is and how it's used at a nice pace where it feels very thought out and realized um mm-hmm. yes so yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I I really like the opening scene a lot, and yeah, that scene with the Lenny in the car where he's like extra drug dealery. Like, let me just give you a sample. <laughs> like, he's still likable, so mm-hmm. because I guess we know that he has some boundaries, some standards there, <laughs> but he's total sleaze. There is, I mean, I will say uh, maybe a minor critique is that there is a lot to introduce. So, I think we're like forty minutes into the movie when we're still introducing main characters because uh, I, I think it's like around 40 minutes where we actually go to see Faith and okay she's technically been introduced already but this is the first time we meet her and the record label dude together and all that and Sizemore I think he shows up like in around the same time that the uh, it's, it's he's a, doing that deal it's, yeah it's a little before it's, it's at the end of the deal and then uh, Mace is in between those two scenes because she comes to pick him up because his car gets yeah. towed uh, which, which has the you know the the playback the in it yeah the playback <laughs> that iris left she, she she couldn't find him so she found his car and put it in the car uh so it, you know it progresses all that stuff uh I, I think very naturally to the point where later on when we start to get to the meat of it and we're, we're getting these important tapes and we're seeing um i think the, the biggest sign that sizemore is the outside of just how shady he feels all the times because he's tom sizemore uh <laughs> he's like peak cocaine also. <laughs> it's uh because because lenny shows him the the killer tape he shows him the killer playback and like we see sizemore's reactions and they're nowhere near as like extreme as as lenny's were he kind of like yeah. sort of says he's disgusted at the end but i'm like i don't know you i feel like you took that in your stride a lot more than <laughs> lenny would look like he was having a seizure on the back of the car when he was when he was playing it back Right, yeah. Well, I mean, it was about halfway through the film, I think, where I realized, like, okay, well, Sizemore's obviously wearing something because he's got a wig on. And we know that people hide the the machines or the headpieces in wigs. And (laughs) it's just such an obvious wig. And we don't know who who the killer is, but they're not really hunting for a killer. So it's probably somebody we know. It's probably Sizemore. <laughs> like it wasn't. I know you've seen the movie already, so you probably remembered. But watching it for the first time, I was just like, I was it, not. It shocked. was one of the few <laughs> things that I did remember was the yeah. was the the Sizemore reveal, which 
would be i think the problem is is that one of the things that i sometimes don't like about spy stuff or noir stuff and i, and I like a lot of noirs but one of the things that i don't like about noirs is the convoluted explanation as to why everything has happened for all, all the breadcrumbs <laughs> and here's how i did it and you know <laughs> I, I do I, and the one thing i do like about the reveal to an extent is that at the end of the film when lenny goes to the hotel room and he, he tries to find faith he, the record label guy's lying there dead and there's a there's a tape and he's, mm-hmm. he puts it on he plays it back and it's basically presenting what happened to iris but it's happening to faith and he's watching it and he's like panicking because this is happening to her and i actually kind of like that they subverted her expectations here a little bit with her after the presumed rape and kill she kind of just sort of like breaks character it was all an act it was all make you know it was all pretend yeah um I thought that was an interesting thing because I'm like, you you could like fake this if you if you as as long as the person committing the thing feels appropriate, like it would be convincing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it just kept running though, so he he saw it was fake, and then Tom Sizemore comes in and monologues because he's <laughs> so proud of everything, and it's so con- I know that just doesn't make any sense to it, me. It's so convoluted because <laughs> he he says like. Yeah, so, um, because this is the thing, he doesn't really care about the the rapper being shot or the, or the recording of it. That it was only the producer who cared about that, and this is what partly mm. makes us feel so separate. Is that Tom Sizemore's motivations and everything he's doing is so separate from all the rest of the plot. And maybe you can read into that and say, oh yeah, like the white characters have got their own thing going on and they don't really care. And the reason, and the reason why that Lenny's kind of becomes a hero ultimately is because he actually does decide to give a shit and he makes the right choices. Um, maybe there's something to that, but it feels so separate. And then it's so awkward in the monologue where he's like, oh yeah, like you know, music producer guy, he hired me to like you know be the bodyguard for Faith. And then Faith was all like, oh well, if you're going to be hiring around, we might as well have some fun. So. They seem mm-hmm. to like all right. They're they're they've become sort of a weird secret couple, and he was ordered to kill Iris by the music producer guy, and presumably he was going to then have to kill Faith because she also knew about it. But he decided that the weird way he will get around that is that he'll elaborately do this thing where that he leaves the, the trail of breadcrumbs for Lenny to get to this hotel room so he could frame him for the murder of the music producer guy and he would put it all on him and he would get away with Faith. But then, so we're introduced to this idea that him and Faith have been this secret couple and she's she's involved in all this and she's this evil person with him. And then within about a minute, Lenny just sort of says, I know you're better than this and she betrays uh, yeah. Max. <laughs> and it just makes the whole thing feel so frivolous. Like, well... Your entire like premise for this reveal is that they've secretly been seeing each other and they're secretly mm-hmm. into each other and she's evil and he's evil. Hard to flip that quickly within like a minute of this reveal just feels... I don't know, it just makes uh, it... Yeah, yeah. It's not... It, yeah, it doesn't come off well. It it, it doesn't. It, it really seems like uh, it's... Uh, some, something's missing. <laughs> <laughs> like he should be dead lenny should be dead like oh we were both in on it unless like angela bassett shows up to save him for some reason then he's he's totally screwed like it doesn't make sense for her character to flip like you said or i mean the the only thing that maybe crossed my mind when watching it like well m- maybe at this point she's just like whatever is most advantageous to her 
And it's not like about love or anything. It's just about like, well, I can, you know, do this now. Like I'm, I'm just with Max so that I don't die. And I'm going to save Lenny so that I, I no, no, no. The, the reason, no, the reason why she saves Lenny, the, what the movie's clearly going for here, is that she just can't let watch him die. She thought she could, but she cares, yeah. even though she's been completely awful to him. She does. She still loves him. She cares. Yeah. Well, she doesn't even necessarily love him. She just cares about him enough not to want him to be killed. Right. That that's it. Mm-hmm. Like she cares enough that she doesn't want to see him die. That I think that's the what the movie's doing with this moment. Okay. But the, the problem... Maybe, maybe but, she just cares about him because he loves her so much. But the, the the problem with this, though, is that you've just introduced the whole concept that she's in cahoots with the evil villain. And I, I don't know, it just it, it feels like you didn't give me time to care about her like face turn, to get, make me care about her finding some kind of small act of redemption by the end of the story. Because you just told me that she should be in the opposite end of the spectrum 30 seconds ago. It's too quick. It doesn't, I don't know, it didn't resonate for me at all. Um, and to be fair, to be fair, I think what you just said does kind of apply in that, yes, because he did keep trying to be there for her, that's something that she can recognize, which is completely different where, you know, the others are just using her all the time or mm-hmm. just having her around because they want this or that, whatever. The real question I have for you, though, is how much did you enjoy the uh the passionate kiss whilst tom sizemore keeps his eyes on lenny the whole time pointing a gun at him but <laughs> somehow still tongues juliet lewis at the same time how did did you enjoy that that cinematic moment no tom sizemore's <laughs> gross <laughs> juliet lewis is kind of gross in this movie too she has she, honestly <laughs> Yeah, that. <laughs> I, 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 it's weird because she. I mean, she takes her clothes off multiple times in the movie, but somehow she actually feels more provocative and like scantily clad when she's actually wearing clothes. Because all of the clothes she chooses to wear, like, are either see through or just straight up like have holes in them for like the nipples to point out of. It's it's very like constant throughout the whole thing. She's got an image, I guess, for to maintain for her record label she wants to be this yeah this uh like hardcore rock star who's yeah she really did sing all the songs though that was pretty cool uh, yeah yeah i think that's the like i like the what it does for lenny's character to have him care about this to care about someone and mm-hmm. for him, because it's important for him to then make the right choice because it's not about him. It's not about his stupid shit, right? That's what he ultimately mm-hmm. realizes, and that's why it's a heroic moment for him to make that choice. But notably, he's not the hero of the story, of the other story. That's important too, mm-hmm. because then it would just be, white man's the hero who did everything. Yeah. He, he, the, the important thing is, is that he had the chance to be corrupt and use it for his own gain and chose not to. And that's something right. that, you know, more people should choose in life. And that's... So, that's... But, everything with Sizemore once he starts monologuing or once we start to like yeah. piece together all the... I forgot about that kiss till you, till you brought it up but it, I mean it makes sense for for Sizemore's character to like get pleasure out of him watching him kiss the woman he loves because it's kind of what he does when he when he makes the, the victims experience what his pleasure mm-hmm. while he's doing the thing so I guess it checks out it's just they're both gross yes <laughs> and we have like an awkward fight scene where they kind of like struggle through the the hotel room before he eventually uh, goes out the window. I mean, there is a little mm-hmm. bit of irony because he's hanging on via uh, Lenny's tie, 
that they, we've, been, we've been hearing the about these ties all movies. Yes. So so Lenny takes the the blade out that he gets stabbed with from him and cuts it off, and it falls to his death. And this is all happening right before midnight. So. And the one thing that's slightly futuristic looking is they've got like a lot of CG lights on the top of the buildings pointing up for the celebrations. <laughs> yeah, for the 2K. It's Not why 2K, nobody knows about that, I yeah. guess. It's very, uh, it's very 90s CG, these, these, these spotlights that they've got on top of all the buildings, but it gives it a look, so I'm not... Yeah. I'm not complaining uh, about that. falling also, the, the first part where he falls mm. into the crowd was pretty goofy. I mean, it's definitely a real person falling from many stories... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, for the shot where he was like coming down, although you could see the wire, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Did you not notice it? You can see a wire. <laughs> I did not notice it. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I will say the movie doesn't look that good by like typical standards, in the sense that it's clearly never been successful enough for them to actually bother remastering it. So the the, the transfer that the Blu-ray and the HD mm-hmm. version is is just like whatever old print they had lying around when they did it it's not like being remastered and it looks kind of muddy as a result it looks it's softer than other blu-rays it's softer than uh mm-hmm. you know so um it does have a weird cyberpunk feel to it though even though it's like not too distant future and there's not that much new technology no it's I, just, you have it's to, just all the steam has been replaced with fire <laughs> does that i mean even just something the soundtrack's a big part of it i think also the uh the, the the titles and the, the credits and the times that come up they're all like these bright colors that kind of they, they don't, it's not all the same color like you know once it'll be bright green once it'll be bright yellow mm-hmm. pink whatever it it, it kind of gives it a an overall feel uh, which yeah i yeah so the, the the worst part of the the movie is the the tom sizemore twist and his motivations and this week and i think yeah. the juliet lewis stuff is important for Lenny's character, but I do feel that it probably could have been condensed down to where we didn't have to see her quite as much and have as many scenes where he goes to her and has to, like, get out of a jam again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think the point could have been made a little bit more succinctly, but it's not like, that's not like a huge deal. I, I think the problem is, is it retroactively feels worse because of her part in the twist, because of like all the things that are supposed to have been going on throughout the film to make the twist work. Yeah. But you're right. He does like break in to see her a lot in the movie, and each time it ends with him getting kicked out by her boyfriend and his goons. Yeah, which I think thematically again does kind of serve a purpose, and is persistent, and he's constantly doing it, and he's constantly not getting the message. Or and it's what you said earlier about how the the memories aren't fading because he keeps reliving them. He goes home mm-hmm. and he relives the memories, uh, and. It's funny because I, I do think that the ultimate romance between him and Mace worked for me better this time because there's definitely a moment where she keeps showing up to help him no matter what. And it's, it's kind of the reason, I suppose, if I'm going to try and argue, uh, again, it doesn't work because she, the, the idea that she's evil has been introduced too quick before. But to be fair, the reason why he realizes that Mace is like the person he should love is because Mace is always there for him. So the mm-hmm. idea that Faith does the same thing, essentially, by saving him. She has that one little realisation right at the end. Thematically, it is kind of there. It is set up, and it does kind of parallel something else that goes on in the movie. So, Yeah, right. He loses faith, but he finds it again in Mace. You try to make a pun because her name's Faith? Is that, <laughs> is that what you're doing right now? Sizemore did it. 
<laughs> gives me permission. Just because Tom Sizemore did something does not give anyone permission to do anything. In fact, I would I, I would say that anything Tom Sizemore does is I'm not good, allowed to do my uh, cocaine binge after this. Then. Is a is Dang. a good reason not to do something. <laughs> not to pick on him, he's got an addiction. I don't know. I I've heard I I've heard things. Uh-huh. He was on like celebrity um, rehab for a year. That was sad. Um, is that the whole story? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think uh, Spielberg wanted to work with him for um, Saving Private Ryan, but told him he had to be sober, and he actually sobered up to be in that movie. Mm. I believe, unless it was Black Hawk Down. I'm pretty sure it was Saving Private Ryan. Well, Spielberg didn't direct Black Hawk Down. Yeah, but unless I'm mixing up the the movies, and uh, it was Ridley Scott who said it, but I'm pretty sure it was it was Saving Private Ryan. I mean, he's in both movies, so I mean, it could be either one in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I think Lenny's character arc is really good, and it's really important to the film. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um. And there's little things that, you know, we get, like, how Lenny and Mace met. We get a little flashback to when Macy's, like, ex-husband was being taken off by the police. And she's worried that, you know, her her young child is seeing this happen. Uh, she finds that, you no, know, Lenny's actually got the her son, like, in the room reading a book. You know, he's intentionally keeping him busy so he doesn't have to watch his father being taken away by the police. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those, like, moments where, okay, why does she, why does she show up and help him all the time? What, what, why does she care about him so much? And it's just this one little hint of, oh no, he actually did the, the, the right thing once or twice. He showed he had a heart. He, yeah. he showed he cared. Uh, you get little pieces of it. Here and there. she loves him. And she does, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well, that, far. Well, that, well, dog on then. Give us, the, give us the scene that told us that. Well, yeah, I mean, she keeps asking him, why, are you, why do you keep pursuing faith when... You know, it, when she's clearly like moved on from you, and he said, "Well, have you ever been in love with someone from afar, but wanted to do everything to help them anyway?" And she said, "Yes, Lenny." Basically, <laughs> so the audience is like, "Okay, yeah, she loves him." Then, yeah, that's the, the yeah. It's a lot less obvious than you made it sound, but yeah, it is, I mean, it's there. <laughs> it's there to notice that she's probably talking about him, right? Uh, you know, it's. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. I mean, that scene, that's the whole section of the movie is kind of interesting because they realize that these police officers are going to be hunting them down, that they know who they are, uh, and they they retreat. Uh, there's always let's have to be home, so they, so they go to like her like cousin's house or something. Um, so it, it is it's properly like we go through like a black neighborhood kind of like appreciating everyone enjoying the fireworks because it's like getting close to midnight. Although why are those mm-hmm. fireworks going off before midnight? I don't know why. Is that a thing? Uh, well, yeah, they're not professional fire <laughs> fireworks, sure. but like people just lighting fireworks okay. on the streets and stuff. Yeah. I thought the point was that you, you get midnight and then you. Yeah, it is. But every <laughs> new year is in 4th of July. You just. Sure deal okay. with people who went out of state and purchased fireworks and brought them back just for this day so they can blow their fingers off yeah but you know it's, it's, it's stupid a, i hate fireworks unless they're at disneyland i don't like fireworks but it's a really important moment in the film though because it's it's kind of like this the safe haven almost uh 
for I mean for for both of them, but it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because he really sticks out because he really is the only white person walking around uh in this entire sequence. And it it becomes this kind of you know, like the the rest of the city's kind of falling apart and the one place that you know, like the, the the police will tell you is like the dangerous part of the city that everyone should be scared of is the place where refuge is sought and where a plan is formed and, and where like the, the films kind of like rests on all these important decisions happens here. I, don't, I, I think there's a lot there where it feels very prominent as they're entering this neighborhood. And then, uh, you know, I, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's really important that one of the main characters is black. Like if, if they were doing all of the social commentary, uh, and we yeah. didn't have someone there to represent that side of things, it would be such a oddly judged film to make and be an oddly skewed thing to do. Uh, but but no, she is there, and she ends up being probably the best character in the movie in a lot of ways uh, mm-hmm. because she she's tough. She 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 you know she she, she drives like a limo. This is her main job, uh, a bulletproof limo. Uh, yeah, it looks like she said something about like this is the only job she can get, and she was like a like a waitress or something before in the flashback. She looked like she worked at a diner or something. She was like all clean cut. <laughs> Given how good she is with weapons, though, I, I, it seems to imply that she's got a history of something else before that. I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she was in the military. Or, or this something. world just makes you makes you good at it. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe. Do you... Well, that's actually one of the interesting points about Lenny is that he doesn't like guns. And he has a gun that he keeps under his bed, but he actively tries to avoid having one for as much as he can. He doesn't like going out with one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting... I, I was almost surprised that we didn't find out that he had an incident where he shot someone like that, you know, either by accident or because he was in the heat of the moment or something and it's this like traumatic thing that he regrets and it never quite goes down that maybe path maybe he's just seen too much of it yeah yeah uh but it's there it's definitely a point that's there and that that was the point where like when they mentioned he was an ex-cop i was like oh that's a really interesting kind of thing where he he left that and then he kind of had to become this because there was nothing else he could do like he sort of like yeah i guess you know he understands the world of the black market and and because of his cop career and thought I could just get into this. Yeah. Well, I think it's also the idea that it kind of being a cop kind of sucked his soul out of him a little bit. Like, and sure, you know, and it's obviously we, we get the impression that he was doing some shady things and that's partly why he was let go. It wasn't just that he quit, but, um, well, the, I don't remember the scene exactly. I watched it yesterday, but the, he, doesn't he talk about like, there's a scene where they talk about the reason this technology was invented was in order to do surveillance for. Yeah, yeah, for... it was the FBI. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. It was. It was. It was, it was to replace interrogation and, uh, or not to replace the wire. Sorry, so people could go into like an undercover situation and actually yeah. record everything. Yeah. So maybe he like somehow had access to this technology, through being a, a, a cop. <laughs> not that the and cop and the FBI are the same thing, but. Yeah, same world. I, I, mean, no, I wasn't really talking about how he has access to it. I think I was more talking about what being a cop did to him as a person, and mm-hmm. like you know, I mean, I mean, sure, yeah, maybe that's how he came in contact with it. But uh, like, I'm thinking more just thematically the idea of like the idea in the same way that we talk about like 
how the prison system doesn't rehabilitate anyone it just makes it just sends people further down the uh the rabbit hole because mm-hmm. they kind of put them in a position where okay now you're an ex-con so now you can't get x number of jobs because they won't take you know prisoners and so on and so on um sure. i wonder if you know an element of the police force is that there are many people who sign up to be police officers who are actually decent to start with and like just the system and the corruption and the way they're taught things by other police officers just creates yeah. this environment where you become worse and you get worse and um and that's not to you know give anyone a free pass far from it but the idea this is a character who's kind of beyond that and is kind of does have some trauma from that and uh, you know that does kind of inform his lessons that he learns along the way from the film um there's a lot going on there uh yeah and it's, it's kind of a lot of the, the strength of it which you know if we, if we take this opportunity to shift over into the, the the more direct social commentary stuff which is the you know i mentioned earlier the the first time we see the cops chasing iris and it's like uh they, they say oh as a black suspect because they don't want them to know what they're actually chasing because clearly this is they're chasing someone that they're not supposed to be chasing right this is clearly mm-hmm. not official police business um and that's kind of a tease for what's going on and they're kind of stalking people and they get they get in there and then ultimately they're just trying to cover their ass constantly throughout the entire t- film and right because they grab they're able to get her her wig off and when yeah. she's escaping and they see that she had a recording device and they realize there's a tape what's, what's so funny about this to me is that you also have the music producer guy trying to erase this footage from existence for his own reasons because he doesn't want to uh like anyone to like know his connections with like his artists or uh, that they were having because the reason why iris was wearing this in the first place is because he wanted him to be spied on because he didn't trust them uh yeah. they, they were having like you know uh arguments or something like that and he wanted like someone to spy on him when he wasn't around that that's why she was recording anything in the first place so it's just really funny to me that these cops are running around and trying to kill anyone who's who knows anything about this and they're trying to like get the evidence and you've got the music producer guy also sending these hitman around, trying to erase everything. Mm-hmm. And these two entities never know that the other one is doing this. They never know that the other entity is trying to also chase everyone and get rid of it. Nope. The connection is just Lenny, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, the rapper, the victim, you know, and him, mm-hmm. I suppose, but... Uh, and when you see it, it is very uncomfortable because you, you, you can kind of feel where it's going you can feel it building and it's one of those things where it's almost more powerful because as soon as they're pulled over by the police you're like i know exactly how this is ending um maybe not the exact details right. but i know exactly where it's going in terms of the overall scope of things um right and i think like uh jericho i think that's the same that's the rapper Jer- yeah jericho yeah. yeah jericho like says like <laughs> You know, why are you pulling me over? I'm just, if I were going and driving any slower, I would have been parked, basically. And, you know, his other friend in the back is like, hey, man, just cooperate. Like, don't do anything and mm. don't, don't, don't try to fight or anything like that. And, uh, but Jericho, like, is made a name for himself because this is the kind of thing that he sings about. He even tells the cop, like, hey, you're going to be the star of my next song. <laughs> like, congratulations. And that's when the, the cop, like we talked about before, shoots up, basically yeah, it, saying, "Like I know you think you have power because you have a voice, but I'm the one who still has power here." 
and can kill him because he feels like he can't like no one <laughs> they uh, they get away with doing this all the time so it doesn't matter if you're a powerful black man yeah uh but of course iris gets away and we see that she's running away and this is all done in one shot effectively because it's all this handheld pov of her running uh and like running past the this train is, this is really good actually yeah. the train thing like really is white knuckling it's good yeah it's, it's really well shot it's, mm-hmm. it's very tense it's very uh, visceral because this is not an action movie there's very little action in fact the one time there is kind of an action sequence it's kind of it's not bad but it's kind of a little more silly than the rest of the film which is it's right after they get the uh the and i'm sorry i'm boring tara here but it's right after the <laughs> shut up <laughs> we record late <laughs> it's right after they get the uh the disc out of the the car at the impound and the the two cops show up and like they demand to get the disc and as soon as the, he hands him a disc which is not the real disc he hands him some porn tape uh i think it's of uh i think it's a faith no it was a virus because he said it was a him and iris in a hot tub on his birthday oh okay okay yeah i was going to be specific but then you said the wrong thing so <laughs> <laughs> i thought he gave up one of his faith tapes for it. No. Like he was real upset about it no no yeah because it wasn't like a genuine upset it was more of a that's one of my favorites that was, was uh, it, it was it was more of a fun upset than a an actual uh, okay you know because later because later on when mace like throws the faith tapes down and starts stomping on them he like starts yeah. like it's, it's like he's a crack addict trying to get his crack back he's like what are you doing no like, <laughs> don't get hide your own supply everyone knows that yes yes valuable lesson i guess uh, also <laughs> don't be drug dealers uh but, but um but that sequence where they they sort of fight them off, they run to the, and this is where she shows she's very capable combat wise. But they run to her limo, and it involves the two cops like shooting up the limo, then setting it on fire, and then she rides the limo into the the, the water because they're at the docks uh, to put the fire out, and then they have to like you know shoot out the back window and swim up to the top. It's a very it's pro- it's the most Hollywood the movie ever gets. Really, is this sequence? Yeah, totally. Uh, and it's not bad, but it does feel a little totally different to a lot of the other things going on yeah i suppose also the cops kind of assume a lot of things that you know they just assume that because she had a wig that there was a tape uh and it, they and it was recorded or they assume that well to be fair it wasn't just a wig the actual device was in the wig too like they saw the device sure but i mean it, it has like a limited time that they can use it for right so you don't know exactly if it was during the time that you were i mean it's be- better to it's safer to assume that you were being filmed than you weren't especially with what she was a witness to but it doesn't automatically mean that there is a tape or like the way that they find lenny the cops find lenny seems a little bit like i, I don't know <laughs> they're they're assuming a lot of things that are of course true but I don't know, it seems like it's kind of a stretch for them to know as much as they do. Well, Iris is trying to get to Lenny constantly, like her entire time, Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as she's on the run. So I presume that one, you know, people know what he does, that he's a dealer in this stuff. Uh, But maybe more to the point, they've, they've seen her try to go to his apartment or something, or they've seen her, you know, whatever. So yeah, there's a trail to him rather than just an assumption. I, I, okay. I don't feel that strongly about it. I'm just trying to give you an answer because you asked the question. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I guess that's enough. Yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. Um, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I told the officers to see the tape and then, you know, the ramifications of that, which the, the, the head honcho at the police department doesn't want to entertain it, but she sort of forces the tape on him anyway. Um, in a men's bathroom. In a men's bathroom, yes. Because <laughs> um, uh, the cops actually think they're dead because they think they killed him in the limo until they happen to see her at the, the big party on the street right at the yeah. end of the film. And they end up chasing her through a crowd and to the point where uh, D'Onofrio like, shoots like five people just to like, try to kill her. Like, you just, yep. And no one's hearing it really or noticing because there's fireworks going off constantly. <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, even though there's people, there's people clearly falling dead. But this, this fell. I'm not convinced that people right next to him as he's shooting the gun, because it's not like there's some distance from people. Like they're right, they're in the crowd. Like they're right in no, the crowd. They're constantly, yeah, they're constantly blocking Angela Bass's um, view. Like they're literally blocking it. Um, that's why they they die. But um, yeah, you're right. Like he's just murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> on the way to get to her but i guess he assumes because there's constantly rioting going on there's all this like unrest that he could just get away with it still yeah uh and they catch up to her uh you know the, the fight kind of happens uh, and they start you know beating her um and ultimately the crowd eventually stops holding back and you know this one guy kind of jumps in and starts fighting them and effectively, it becomes, you know, almost like a riot, riot starting to break out because they're all attacking the cops. Um, and we see, like, you know, other cops and, like, tanks and stuff and the, the periphery of all the events starting to, like, get involved and coming in. And it just so happens that, you know, right as things are really getting heated, um, because cause she's disarmed them, she's handcuffed them to the uh, yeah. the thing during It's other all cops this. that start beating her with batons, too. Because yeah. those cops are saying she's she's yeah. the enemy. And they immediately start hitting her. Yeah, and and then of course the head honcho cop, you know, the commissioner, whatever his rank is, I, I didn't pay attention to his rank. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he he comes in and says these two are under arrest and pulls out the disc and he he has watched it, he's seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what's happening, and you know we we have like you know D'Onofrio try to. I mean, well, William Fichtner grabs a gun first as he's trying to be arrested, and he kills himself because he doesn't want to face the the consequences of what he's been involved in. And then, Fichtner... D'Onofrio covered in his blood. Yeah, oh yeah, his face is literally <laughs> covered in his blood. And he's, like, he's so, like, sad and, like, angry that his... The one partner in crime that he's had is dead, that he, he grabs the gun and he's going to shoot... And this is... This, and Lenny has shown up at this point and he... And there's, like, a bit of a fake out here where... Because Lenny does this heroic thing where he, like, sort of grabs her and, like, spins and makes sure he's covered with blocking her, you know, in case she gets shot. And... At the end of the scene, he actually falls down, and she thinks she's been shot, and he just kind of like, sort of like coughs and like, what, what's, what is it? <laughs> what? It, clearly, he fainted because he's been stabbed and because he's been through an ordeal. Not he's be- probably lost a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he plays it as a little, a little joke afterwards to alleviate the tension, but, uh, yeah. So he he has put you know, the put down. And I think it is very important. I think the movie's done a lot of smart things here with its structure and its its narrative diversion where yeah. the white character plot, like, you know, everything with Max and Faith, they don't care about anything that's going on. This is your your white people who are ignorant and oblivious to the real struggles that are happening around them. 
and they don't yeah. care. And then the real sort of part of the movie, which is this, um, has its ending on its own. And I think that's very important. Uh, right. And yeah. Lenny's an ally for sure, but he's not the, the you know he's not galloping on a horse as a white knight uh, to save the day, and that's also important. And I mean, honestly, like if this movie, if I had watched this movie before this year, mm-hmm. I think I would have had a very different opinion about the ending, because cops always get away. <laughs> like even when they're even when they're caught, they always get away. But in this movie, they don't. They have their come up, and it's like the, the the police force turn against them and say, "No, you murdered you you murdered this person. You guys need to be held responsible for that." At least the one uh, the one honest cop did at least anyway. Yeah, right. And saying that there's going to be like the movie saying now there's going to be change. Like cops just can't get away with murder anymore, which I wouldn't have believed before. <laughs> and. I mean, yeah, we could, obviously, I don't want to get into the debate of how much change there is or can be or will be, but yeah. the idea in the movie that it being caught on camera, essentially, making some kind of ripple and some change to the events that have been going on, and then the idea that just in this, you know, these last few weeks even with the results of the, the trial, uh, mm-hmm. saying that maybe there can be different results now. And it's not enough, and it won't be as quick as it should be, but... Uh, Maybe the movie did oddly kind of predict one little... De- t- well, you have to kind of look for it, and it's not on the surface, but it is kind of there. If you want to look for something the movie kind of got right, uh, in a sense. And obviously, it's 25 years. And obviously, it's a movie, so we have, uh, <laughs> you know, we have the, the lashing out and having the final shootout moment, because, you know, we have to have a climax, because it's a film, but... Um, at the end of the movie, uh, which is them, you know, they have to go to the police station to answer a bunch of questions... And they're kind of hobbling together, and you know, I mean, she's holding him up more than anything, which again, I think, yeah. is, I think is important. The idea that she's there to be, because if if the movie in a lot of ways is supposed to be the white population realizing that the black people are there and they need, they need help because they're being mistreated, the idea that his character realizes that this amazing woman's there to have his mm-hmm. back constantly, and he's mm-hmm. acknowledging this now for the first time and realizing. The people that, or the person that's in his life and how that maybe represents the larger scheme it's a very nice thing to have uh so our ending of the film is she gets in the car he's walking away but then the song the song from this movie that i really like because this is the other thing i remembered i really like this song uh you hear a little bit of the musical part of it a couple of times throughout uh it's, i guess it's kind of a love theme almost but it plays at the end uh, as two thousands like being rung in, the, the the bells are going off. The ball has dropped. That's an American thing. I'm I'm in the UK. All the it, go ahead. In the UK, it's the bells are uh, ringing. Mm. All you, those churches you got. You bring in the bells, right. as as what people say. Anyway, so as the, the song's playing, uh, you know it's, it's got this sort of heavy kind of pulsy drum beat, and he comes back over the car, pulls her out of the car, and kisses her. And that's how we end the movie. It's that he finally realized what he had, or who he had, to be more precise. Right. Um, so it's, it's it's got a it's, forget for how dark the movie is. It's got a very happy ending. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> it does have a very happy ending. Um, but man, what you had to go through to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a dark, dark movie. And. 
you know? How, how much bullshit would Lenny have avoided if he'd just been smart enough to realise and not keep chasing Faith? <laughs> yeah, right. That said, though, I mean, if someone still sent him the murder tape, then he'd still have to, like, find out who killed someone else who is his friend. <laughs> they wouldn't be completely dropped, but... I guess that's true. <laughs> but yes, I don't know. Smarter choices could have been made. Um... But yeah, yeah, we glossed over, you know, the, the second tape he gets is, like, whoever's doing it, like, came into his apartment while he was asleep, and, you know, looks at him while he's sleeping. Puts uh, a knife to his throat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. And this is, this is the thing where, like, this, this could almost be his own separate horror movie, this idea that someone's, like, leaving tapes of stuff like this. And I'm sure it's even been done. It even sounds familiar that I'm saying it. <laughs> I just can't think of what, what the movie would be. But I'm sure it exists. I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Yes. Um, but, hey, the movie's pretty good. And I, I do pretty think good. It's, it's probably more relevant right now than it has been in years. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think over the last, like, I don't know, five, ten years, it has been more relevant again. But I think right now, specifically after the last year, two years, it's probably the most relevant it's it's been since it came out. Uh, uh, yeah, Absolutely. And it's, it's 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 one that um, I don't think Facebook. I, I, I've never seen the trailer, so I, I don't know what the trailer marketed it as. But I certainly, and it's it's sort of a cult following. Where hey, it's this movie that's actually pretty good from the mid nineties that Catherine Bigelow made. Uh, I don't think you go in expecting everything that it's going to hit and what it's really about and what it's actually. I, doing. I certainly didn't. I was very surprised. And it's I guess it's kind of unique in a way. Where okay, we don't have this playback technology, but. What the movie's about, the cyberpunk subject and the idea that this technology leads to actual footage of the mistreatment of black people and the murder of a black person from the police. Like, is this one of the few cyberpunk, like, future films where we've essentially gotten to the point and surpassed it in terms of what it predicted? It doesn't match up exactly, but I can't... Like, because most of them tend to be, oh, Blade Runner, there's androids, or, you know... (laughs) matrix we're yeah, all that's true. living in a simul- simulation this is more like oh no this actually we're, we're ca- we don't, yeah we don't have this particular oh we can jack in and feel the thing but <laughs> sure like other than that yeah and maybe that's because it's it's always been not too distant future like the movie only takes place what like four or five years ahead yeah so they can't, I mean, they can't justify, like, having androids in that, I'm sure, period of time. Oh, I just, I just think it's interesting that it, yeah. and obviously in terms of the actual year, we surpassed it, you know, <laughs> 21 years ago. But, <laughs> right. uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Did they, uh, I mean, because there, there, there is a couple of cell phones in this. You do see them, obviously, they're old flip, big chunky flip things. They're not, uh, yeah. you know, this, this, is, this is before the, even the age of everyone having the little Nokia things, but. Um, all right, I'm going to put Tara out of her misery because clearly, because <laughs> clearly, clearly, uh, the conversation of this film is is sending her to sleep. So, um, I know it is, I know it is, because you're wearing a recorder under that wig right now, and the the bonus exclusive on Patreon is you'll get to experience the feelings that we felt as we were recording <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> you get to yawn when I yawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um yeah not without flaws i think I'll, I'll say it right now the the reveal of tom sizemore and his monologue and all the convoluted reasoning that makes it work 
that is like a full point off the score. Oh, totally. That is a full point off the score. If I, if anything, that wig is another, <laughs> is another point. <laughs> if if anything, to be honest, it's actually a testament to how good a lot of the rest of it is that it's still. Because yeah. I feel like I mean I say it's a full point off. It probably should be more. Like most films, if I hated the twist ending as much as I hate this, like it would probably tank the score quite a bit. It's a testament to how good and how strong the science fiction there's, themes are for the rest of the film. There's so much to like in this movie, though. Yeah, for sure. And it is a it's a it's a dark movie, but man, I mean, Catherine Bigelow is no stranger to that. So she's she's, I mean, she she can direct. And I do think the action scenes are awesome in this film, except for maybe the one that the the car one's okay. <laughs> what, what, when you say action scenes, you just mean the uh, the playback scenes? The yeah, yeah, honestly, the playback, the um, POV scenes. All right, I suppose we'll wrap up then. Uh, <laughs> what, what are you uh, giving Strange Days? I I really do like it. I think it's uh it's pretty. Um, it's it's pretty special, especially watching it now. Um, there, but there are some some pretty terrible flaws in it, and uh, that's just uh, it's it's the movie making flaws for the most part, and it is not an easy thing to watch. Like uh, I had an opportunity to watch it again today, and I said I don't really want to because <laughs> it's dark, and uh, there's some stuff in it that is not I'm not comfortable watching. But um, it's still really good, and I understand why those scenes are in the movie. And um, I, uh, I think I'm going to give it a, a seven point five. Very good. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I get why you know I, I get the the you know the uncomfortable uncomfortable scenes to you know watch, um, mm-hmm. but I, I would argue that it's not. Like I would argue that they they need to be there, and they they're kind of essential to selling what 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 it is and what the movie is. I think if you neutered those scenes, the movie would have a lot less bite to it, uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Although, admittedly, you have the social commentary side of things, which has its own which has its own bite on its own. That maybe you don't need the the extra, like ultra brutal and you know rape stuff that's in the other stuff the other side of the film, but. Um, it it, it kind of sells just how seedy and disgusting this world is, and the 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 shady underbelly of the society that this this all kind of operates in, and and all the rest of it. It kind of naturally fits the whole thing. Um, for for me, it's all about the the, the bullshit noir twist shit at the end, and Tom Sizemore's <laughs> monologuing. Um, all of that is, you know, um. Also, I, the minor point as well is that at one point in the film, a tech, the other sort of, you know, black market guy who we see a few times, um, he's actually killed, kind of, in the sense that it, we find out that if someone, like, I mean, it's more complicated than just turning it up, but that if someone's, like, watching one of these things that you can sort of overdrive a person's brain and it kind of puts them in a coma, uh, it'll, like, fry their insides. And... I thought it was strange how it never really used that again, like in, this, in the way that you know when. He... Well, it does. They they do it to um, the music producer guy because he's a vegetable, and then they shoot him. Oh sure, yeah, the bad guys do it. But what I mean is, it never uses it as a threat. It never used like when 
when Lemmy goes into that hotel room and there's a tape sitting there and it's the one where it looks like Faith's being attacked, like, I was thinking to myself as he picks it up, like, why aren't we selling the danger that's, you know, there's, like, if he puts this on in this area where clearly the, the bad guys have been, whoever they are, like, they could come over and just mind wipe him. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I thought it was weird that they set up this threat that it was a, there's a danger to having one of these things on and yeah i guess it's kind of like their version of overdosing yeah but they never actually used it as a sort of like danger for our characters i thought that was a little bit strange um but yeah it is also worth mentioning that mace does watch the uh the tape like the first thing she ever watches the first playback she ever watches is the as jericho's death um right so uh yeah what are you rating it um, it's tough. I, I am going to agree with you and go to seven point five. Cool, you never do that. It's well, because <laughs> this is the thing. If I didn't hate that stupid twist at the end, it would be an eight point five. Sure, because the rest of it's that good. But yeah, unfortunately, it just has this giant. Tom Sizemore size hole. <laughs> the hole is Sizemore itself. Which means big. In case anyone is confused. Not size less. Size more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think that's his real name or he gave himself that? Because that's a pretty spectacular name. Eh, it could be a... could be a stage name. Could... It may even be it may even be a dumb dick joke. I can I can, so, I can almost see him thinking of names. It just it does all oh, my last name so it's like uh I've got a lot of size, yes. <laughs> he's like, I'm just gonna stick with my porno name. <laughs> I mean it's not like he says, I'm gonna pick size more because I'm a bit chubby, is it? <laughs> well yeah. I think it's more Yeah. I mean it's no Ironside. No. That's the best name in Hollywood. Yeah, not no Ironside. Uh, Michael Ironside, Tommy Wiseau. Those are those are the best names. <laughs> those are the best Hollywood names. I would say Ironside and Schwarzenegger, maybe. I mean, I, I mean, like Ar- Arnold obviously has a cool name, but I think when you go with one of those action stars, I don't think anyone actually beats Jean Claude Van Damme. I mean, Van Damme. Like, he, let's yeah, listen I know. to that. For a French name too, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Even his initials uh, sound cool. JCVD. Yeah. It's a movie title. Literally, it's a movie title, yes. They made it. I never saw it, but they made a movie called JCVD. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, Sorry. Oh, well, there you go. That's uh, Strange Days. We will be back next time with something much, much older. Uh, we are returning once again to the Invisible Man franchise, which we, we've done the original. We did Invisible Man... Returns? returns i think that's what it was called i've forgotten the title of it but so. the next well we must have returned so it must be right the next one on the list though <laughs> is the invisible woman from 1940s so that's what we're going to do next time uh something very different uh to to this and anything we've done recently so nice change of pace mm-hmm. uh and then we'll see what we we've had too many good movies anyway so right not that i expect it to be bad but i don't expect it to be good <laughs> it might be good you don't know maybe it might be maybe um yeah uh 
What else do I usually do now? I usually tell you to pause, don't I? Oh, a, oh, a phrase, a code word for the comments. If you made it this far into the review, put the word size more into the comments. <laughs> or cocaine binge. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> YouTube may automatically uh, flag it, so uh, maybe don't. Um, <laughs> so, yes, do that. Uh, Taro, you're going to pause for the, uh, for the camera, so... Uh, for the camera, for the photo. I mean, it is the camera too, but you know what I mean. Um, were you in- trying to get my size more wig? Uh, that's what you were on. doing. I was like, why, why is she messing with her hair so much? Right, three, two, one, pause. <laughs> Hopefully, that's okay. The camera got dark. I'll make it work. I'll work my magic. <laughs> we will wrap it up there, and we'll just thank you once again for joining us. It is always a pleasure i'll just remind you once again to like subscribe ding the bell for notifications on youtube if you want them uh it does help the two you can also of course uh you know find the audio podcast feed and rate us on there all those things do help as does patreon so uh all of those things please do look into but yeah that is it so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction and computer at salsa Are you paranoid enough?